Hi, welcome to Christianity and Culture. My name is Jenny. This is a podcast produced by Theology at the Bottle Works, which is a ministry of the Journey Church in St. Louis, Missouri. We have monthly meetings covering a variety of culturally relevant issues, and today I'm joined by Kristen, who helped moderate our most recent discussion on a very relevant topic. Kristen, do you want to introduce the topic? Sure. Uh, so this month at Theology at the Bottle Works, we talked about healthcare. Lots to talk about. In fact, there was no way we could possibly cover all the issues that touch healthcare. Yeah. Um, your introduction to the topic made it very clear that there's so many not just like points of view and perspectives, but actual like ways to put into practice um, healthcare on national scales. Um, can you kind of describe some of them? Sure. Yeah, I thought it was really important to just set the stage and make sure that everyone had a similar understanding of healthcare models before we got into the deeper discussion of their differences. Um, so the first is a all-encompassing. Um, healthcare system. So this would be a nationalized healthcare, the like the UK, um, where the government is both the insurer and the provider. Uh, so all of the hospitals are owned by the government and runs them, and the physicians are government employees. Um, in America, we see this with the VA system that that's also a self-sufficient, all-encompassing um, healthcare, and in both the VA and UK and other places that have this type of model, um, the people, while they pay into it um, by their taxes or serving whatever, but they don't actually pay on the individual encounter basis. The second type um, is what's called the Bismarck model, um, that this one is one where there are sickness funds. Um, so this is most similar in the U.S. to employer-based health insurance in that it is an employee-based healthcare model um, where the employers contribute payroll contributions into these funds, and then when you need them, they are there and available for people who subscribe to the funds to be able to access them and cover them. Where the U.S. is a little bit different is that in all the other countries that use this model, then they are the sickness funds are nonprofit entities, whereas in the U.S., insurance companies are a for-profit business. So that's where we're unique and different, and sometimes people will say that's a different healthcare model than this. The third type is a national health insurance. Um, so this is what Canada has, where the government will cover the insurance, but the providers and hospitals are private individual. Um, again, in America that we see this, this is what our Medicare system is very similar to. Um, and so kind of, again, one single and coverage model. Um, so there's not really a back and forth and claims and disputing about what will or won't be covered. Um, and everyone is within you know, <clears throat> certain limits, um, qualifies and gets in so they don't have to necessarily subscribe like you would to a sickness fund or to an insurance policy. And then the last is self-pay, that this is 
uh, more typical in the less developed countries um, where they don't have a coordinated healthcare system that just whatever you're able to pay for is what you're able to get. Um, and again, we see this in the U.S., both on individual with self-pay, but then also that we also see that sometimes people organize into healthcare co-ops um, or communities to somewhat self-insure as well. Um, and the, the fourth, fourth and a half. Right. Yeah. So that half part is where the insurance companies here are, are private and for-profit. And so that makes it a little bit different in it's incentive right. modeling. So. Yeah. And before we go too much farther, um, I called you Kristen, but a lot of people call you Dr. Williams, um, because you yourself are involved deeply in the healthcare system. So for good reason, you were the moderator for this topic. Yes, I do have a lot of personal experience with this. So yes, I am a physician, so a pediatric neurologist and intensivist. And so I have been on the phone with insurance companies and arguing and fighting about why I want them to cover what I think my patients need. Um, and I've also been a patient uh, in different ways. And so I've utilized the healthcare system as well. So I have seen it quite a bit personally, as have many people probably. Yeah, indeed. So we've gone over very briefly some very different um, kinds of health insurance, healthcare programs and as you said, the U.S. kind of uses all of these in, in some way, which just I think probably just leads to a lot of confusion <laughs> and a lot of different kinds of experiences, a lot of misunderstandings. Um, and it's at this point in history is nearly impossible to separate healthcare from politics. It's very difficult to to have that separation. Um, and even in this discussion, there's like there's differences in terms like is it, are we talking about health care or health insurance or I mean I think both. But in our discussion with the group, it seemed like we were going back and forth between these kinds of topics with a lot of fluidity that was very confusing to me <laughs> at different times. And we talked about the costs, the quality, availability, and all these things that are affected by the policies. Right, I think it is. Um... Very confusing because it can be one of four different potential options, and that's in big, broad categories, right? So then once you get into the employer-based insurance, that whether you have United Health, Blue Cross Blue Shield, like all of those have within themselves individual policies that do or don't cover different things and different types. So it can get incredibly complicated um, and really difficult to keep straight. Um, and I think the two are really intertwined as well, that we see that there is a lot of healthcare influenced by policy and insurance, um, that whether it could be something like an insurance company saying, no, we're not going to cover that, um, that impacts what healthcare a person is or is not able to receive. Um, but then even on a bigger and broader scale that we see things like Medicare stating how they're going to reimburse hospitals will have a large influence on kind of incentives and where hospitals will focus. Um, so I think that we can see it in both ways. And 
They are very intertwined, hence the discussion moving back and forth very fluidly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all, all of this is, is a very technical issue and it has a very emotional response with a lot of people. I think there, there's a lot of technical, we've said the word policy a lot and, and it's just, you, I mean, you can't separate it, but a lot of people have a very emotional, very um, gut response to this topic, which leads me to the question that we kind of tackle here on this podcast is how should we as Christians think about this topic? How do I as a Christian think about healthcare? And I think this leads into something that you drew out in our conversation, which was about our values. Yeah. I mean, the fact that different countries have different healthcare systems, and we have so many different systems even here in America, um, I think shows that you know being a Christian supersedes all of this. And so it is going to be um, different values that will express themselves through us in different ways based on who we are, what is our context, what are our resources and what are our needs. Um, I think that some ways that we can think about this in big, broad strokes of values is thinking about Jesus saying to love your neighbor as yourself. How that gets played out practically can look really different in a lot of different ways. Um, It can be something as small scale as we probably commonly think about of taking care of my neighbor, checking on them when they're sick, um, all the way to scaling up to things like Medicaid expansion, which is to help provide more access to healthcare. Um, Often we see that it's actually A lot of times I know here in St. Louis, this was something that was recently on our ballot. And in the city, there was a big campaign to vote for it so that the rural parts of Missouri would be able to keep their hospitals. So, yeah, and that's an interesting, kind of a side note that just occurred to me. Um, Something you don't see too often is people in one context carry about people in another context and kind of thinking outside of their own little like cultural bubble. Um, something I've noticed living in Missouri is there's drastic differences in the way that people live in the city versus in rural areas, the way they think about the world. And it's just kind of, it's heartening to me to hear that people in the city are like, no, they need healthcare too. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, let's take care of that or let's try to do what we can and keep that as an important value. What are ways that you think about healthcare? Um, yeah, having been in the city and in the rural areas of Missouri, both I think I've I've been fortunate both those contexts to be near good hospital systems, and also personally, I've never had to be, go to the hospital for my own things, so I have I don't have a good personal um, experience there. However, I do have friends who do, and they've had good experiences with the rural hospitals. However, that's a big problem right now because COVID has caused a lot of smaller hospitals to be overwhelmed or shut down, both Mm -hmm. either because of lack of resources to start with or uh, the economic downturn. So that's a secondary issue going on right now. (laughs) 
Yeah. And again, it does make this topic even more relevant um, Mm -hmm. because we're seeing some limitations of different healthcare systems and models in ways that we just haven't in our lifetime. So we've had it where maybe small areas would be overwhelmed, kind of like when we saw it in the early pandemic of thinking like, um, again, when like Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, that we, their local hospital system had a big devastation and lots of surrounding hospitals um, absorbed that. Like I know kind of on all levels, they took both patients. I know that some of the, like the medical students training there were able to go to other institutions to finish out their training in different capacities. Whereas here, we saw that somewhat like when New York was really overwhelmed, but it was challenging because everywhere across the country was also um, facing their own limitations and resources. And so it wasn't kind of a small need and everyone else being able to rally around them. And so, again, that we're just seeing some new limits that we haven't had to test before. Yeah, like you were saying, like even from the spring to now, I was just listening to the radio today and they were saying like in March, April, May, doctors and nurses from places that weren't as affected were more than happy to to fly to some of the bigger cities that were um, being affected. And now they they're so overwhelmed, like across the board that they, that's not even an option. Right. But that is a a bit of a tangent, (laughs) relevant, but a tangent. I think it's still, it kind of segues nicely into the like question of what, what values our system reflects because one, there is that all hands on deck mentality. Like we can help each other that I think I've, I've seen constantly reflected in times of disaster. Um, what other values um, do you, do you think are reflected or do you remember um, other people mentioning from our discussion? Um, sure. <clears throat> yeah. I think one, just again, by the fact that we have, four different all-in-one country that we really value choice and options. Um, yeah. We are a very diverse nation, but so are a lot of other nations. Um, uh, but we place such high value on our individualism and able to have choices and e- express ourselves um, through that. So I think that's one thing that we definitely do see. Um I think that also potentially another value that we can see is a value for innovation that I think that much of what we at least perceive um, is that the, some of the downsides and particularly the costs for healthcare are come because we're trying to have the newest and latest and greatest and kind of, push the limits of what's what's possible many times another question you asked about values were was what values are not reflected i think another way to say that might be in what ways does the system work contrary to our values Mm -hmm. i think something that was brought up by at least one person if not more was just equality Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that equality is in mostly in name, but it is definitely of a value of America. Um, and this past year, for sure, we've um, really uh, grappled with that and how badly we've done it. Right. Yeah, for sure. 
um, that I think we see some of the extremes of this in healthcare. Um, the fact that someone just may be able to get really top notch, the best that science can offer healthcare, and another person can walk into that same hospital with that same condition and not be able to get that and or have the, their lives financially devastated um, by it. So I think that the both access and the impact do differ a lot more than people realize. Mm-hmm. I think you asked the question um, in some way, what do you want or what do you hope our healthcare system will look, look like? I found that very interesting. We we've been talking as a group recently about at the Advent season, and as we're recording this right now, it's not Thanksgiving yet. But when it comes out, it'll be after Thanksgiving, and we'll be going into Advent. And hope is one of those things. So I'll ask you what you what you're hoping for in the healthcare system as uh, in the next twenty years. Let's say that. Sure. Um, I do hope we're able to meet a place where we are able to provide basic needs without the financial devastation of things. Um, I also hope we're able to redefine pre-existing conditions mm. that I think, and this is something we talked about some in the discussion as well. Um, you know, many people probably know, but if not some health insurance policies or even some, healthcare co-ops and different things will either allow you in or not allow you in based on can certain medical conditions that you have already been diagnosed with. Um, and I think as we both learn more about the nature of disease and learning more and more about how much like our genetic predisposition um, can change how we, our bodies respond to different environmental factors. Um, and again, a more sense of like, yes, there are certain conditions that are going to access more healthcare, but maybe I should just be really grateful that I don't need that. And that can be, you know, my way of helping take care of my neighbor is by allowing them onto my healthcare plan. Mm-hmm. Not that I really have any control over that at the moment, um, but thinking about it being a gratitude that I don't have those conditions rather than concern that people who have healthcare needs are going to take my share of the pie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump back to the question I posed earlier. How, how should I as a Christian think about healthcare? And we've talked about, I mean, it's, it's very simple. I love your neighbor as yourself, but I mean, obviously it's not that simple. We wouldn't be spending as much time talking about it. Someone in our discussion brought up the concept of caring for myself can be caring for others, which is, I think, just another way of saying love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. I thought that was a really interesting um, and kind of insightful twist again getting back to this if I have disease I'm going to cost other people more um and so that again one of the ways I can 
love my neighbor or one of the ways that I can be a good neighbor is to take care of my own body um, and to do what I what is within my power and within my control to limit the diseases and conditions that I have. Um, again, some things are definitely out of our control. There's plenty of those things. But again, thinking in the midst of the pandemic, I can wear a mask and I can socially distance so that the hospital beds and resources are there for people who still contract the virus. And even, again, not being a a threat. This is something I think about a lot right now. Again, because I'm a physician and I take care of COVID patients, I haven't gone to see my family um, because I think that that would be a potential threat to them. And I don't want to risk their health just because of my wants and desires to be in the same space with them. So it's not an easy decision, but I think that's what it means to really, to really love, to really want what's best for, for others. Like I keep saying, I'm like, it's because I want to spend next Thanksgiving with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want you to be here for next Thanksgiving. Yeah. I want you to be as healthy as possible next Thanksgiving. Yeah, not all not all healthcare is about um, what the government says it is. <laughs> it's not about policy or what your doctor's um, prescribed treatment is or any of these. Like it, it really is to behave in a way that is promoting health for yourself and your neighbor and in the sense that your neighbor is anyone you can come in contact with. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked, um, I'm not sure if it was your, uh, your outro or not. I, I really enjoyed the vaccine thought experiment um, you posed. Uh, could you explain what that was? Sure. Yeah. I, um, you know, in the last section, I wanted to make it a little more, felt and practical. Um, And so what I said was, you know, that Moderna has just announced that they have a vaccine that's over 90%, well over 90% effective, um, and that they should be able to make enough vaccine for 10 million people to be fully vaccinated by the end of this calendar year. So with the made up number, I don't know how much they actually cost for vaccine, but I said, let's say they cost $1,000 each vaccine. Who pays for these and who gets them? Um, and we discussed that. Everyone was very kind and said that I should get one of the first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was just because I was the moderator, I was on the call. Um, but thinking about healthcare workers um, and, and kind of some frontline people to keep the system sustainable. Um, I liked mm-hmm. how, you know, one person had said that the, the teachers should be mm-hmm. the next top wave. Um, which I, I've also really liked and really thinking about again, that the children have been so impacted. I think it's going to be a couple of years before we really see what the full effect of all this is on the kids and all the changes in the school system. And so mm-hmm. really placing a, a high priority on them, not vulnerable from the disease, the you know inflammatory components of the disease, mm-hmm. but this social structure component um to you know the next generation Mm -hmm. i thought that was interesting um you know uh there was some different debate about who should pay for it um so Uh one person had said that it should be the government because this is war um and Mm -hmm. 
it's interesting because that comes from someone who I know from prior conversations tends to be a little bit more on the uh, conservative end of the political spectrum. Um, but again, thinking that this is different. This isn't just regular healthcare. This is something that's really affecting all of us. And this is part of the government collective action um, and taking care of its people to provide this because it's this is different than any other disease out there right at the moment in mm-hmm. time. Um, others had a little bit more reserve. I think they would have had the government buy and distribute 9 million and then a small subset would go on eBay for the <laughs> usual financial, both incentive and forces to be at play. Um, so we did see a wide, wide range of answers. And I don't know for anyone listening, I think it's, it's a, good thought experiment of to try on yourself of like who should buy the vaccines for people and it seemed like the majority of people agreed that the government should at least take care of this first wave mm-hmm. um i it's hard not to say that at least some of the first people to get it should be healthcare providers and workers um but a thought that i had is there are people who go out every day and like have to interact with people who don't get PPE Mm -hmm. they just get like it's people who work in grocery stores and the post office all they get is a mask maybe some Lysol like (laughs) they've been deemed essential I I, I kind of feel like maybe they should get a good chunk of that first wave of vaccines yeah no I totally totally agree that this has been another again a little bit of a side tangent so just two sentences about yeah. it but um thinking about what is an essential worker and what are mm-hmm. the essential parts of society and the sacrifices that we don't even realize people have been making um to help help us again like all the grocery store workers make it possible for me as a healthcare worker to feed myself <laughs> So, mm-hmm. yeah, so everybody matters. We all need each other much more than we like to think in our very individualistic, you can do it yourself society. Yeah. Which, if I remember, is pretty much how you closed the evening. Right. Yeah, it was. That, that was something that struck me about how, with all the different healthcare models and ways that we think about it. Um, even in the self-pay way, which would be kind of the least part of this, but that we we need each other, that you can't have healthcare delivery solo. You know, as much as we joke of physician heal, heal thyself, it's not actually possible. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so I think that thinking about how we can come together and care for each other is really an important part when we're thinking about healthcare. There was also a, a quote I found from a developmental psychologist that talked about how in the U.S. Uh, now, and this person died in 2005, so this was even you know a couple decades prior to now, but noting about how it's possible for someone to go through childhood to reach adulthood without having truly cared for another person. They may not have held a baby. They may not have been with um, someone else and taking care of them when they were sick. They may not have had to um, help when someone was really 
cold or ill and assisted in that way. And that without those experiences, we lose a little bit of the sensitivity um, and motivations and skills and assisting and caring for others. And I thought that that was something worth thinking about as far as how do we fix the healthcare system? I think we all agreed that it is not perfect. <laughs> we, are not, we are not there yet. Um, and we probably never will be. I think the fact that different countries have come up with different ways of doing it means there's pros and cons to the different ones and no one system can get everything right. But I think that part of setting the foundation for it is practicing the small acts of caring for each other on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. And that's something, man, like the the government has nothing to do with that. Nope. Um, We we cannot fall back on the laws should be this way, policies should do this. We are responsible for our own day-to-day actions. We are. Which is why I think as Christians, it's really important to say, okay, God, what do you want me to do today? How do you Mm -hmm. want me to be your hands and feet in this world? You get to actually be a doctor. I get to greet people coming in and out of the front doors of my business. With a mask. With a mask. If they're not wearing one, I get to tell them to put one on. Um, Yeah. We all have ways that we interact yeah, ways that we can show show love and care to our neighbors. Yep, which is an important part of overall health. Health was a complete separate bottle works topic a few years ago. <laughs> health healthcare totally different, totally different. Well, on that note, thank you for joining me, Kristen. This has been a fascinating topic, um, and probably surprisingly interesting for some people who were there. Thank you for listening to this episode. We are on various social media, Facebook and Instagram, if you want to follow us there to keep up with the different events that we have going on. Um, We will be continuing to meet on Zoom for our monthly conversations. So if you're interested in joining that, stay tuned. Bye. Bye.